on Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Good afternoon to you, Carlos Alberto Diego from the Fordiegos every Wednesday night, 11 till 12 here on 1116 SEN. G'day, Tone. How are you, buddy? <laughs> After all that, yeah, I'll all accept all that. And, uh, and, more. I, and I say hello to you too. That, before we talk soccer, uh, what happens on a Diego's Christmas? <laughs> we, uh, we've allowed ourselves, uh, this is very dangerous to do, but we're, you know, we're getting a little bit more longer in the tooth these days, mm-hmm. Tone, so it won't be a big, big party, but we've got our Diego's Christmas get-together before the show tonight. Oh, really? So uh, we'll be, I don't think it'll be a lot of uh, drinking and, and dancing, but, uh, but certainly we will have uh, a nice little feast before we get, get it on air tonight. Wives, so, kids? Yeah, no, no, it's a Diego Christmas party tonight, so... Uh, Wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, we, we've settled down these days. I think it's more about the eating part of it than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know where you're coming from. 942 9 if you've got a uh, world game question you want to throw up towards Carlos. And finally, well, I, and I say finally with the, the utmost respect for the competition, the FFFFFA <laughs> Cup is finally over. Yeah. It's gone for a long time, but what a fantastic competition it was. And I look forward to the next one starting. Yeah, it's funny because uh, last night, of course, Adelaide winning 1-0. Thirio scoring in the 60-something minute, I think 63rd or 67th minute or something like that. Uh, and clearly the, the better side last night against Perth Glory. Uh, very professional performance. Uh, it really topped off a really good tournament for them. And it actually probably a good tournament for Adelaide sides because we saw Adelaide City knock yeah. out West Sydney Wanderers early in the tournament. So Adelaide had a really good time with this. A packed, out there at, packed house there at uh, Cooper Stadium too. So... Uh, uh, it really did um, capture the imagination right to the end. I think the big uh, would have been a fairly good TV audience last night too. I, I can't wait in future years where it has a weekend to itself uh, rather than play during the week. It sort of devalues it a little bit, but I understand why they did it this time with the Asian Cup coming on. That's the way it will happen? Uh, I think there's been talk about in the future it'll have its own weekend. Uh, Next year, I think there's going to be 600 teams involved. And uh, a lot of the, uh, up until the quarterfinals, I think the quarterfinals and all the other qualifying rounds will be played before the start of the A-League season. So suddenly you'll really get uh, a chance for some of these better lower-rung teams having a chance to you know, knock off an A-League side because the season wouldn't have started by then. Mm. So, uh, but they're looking at the final being in November next year. So it's a little okay. bit earlier and maybe give its own weekend, which would be terrific. But for me, and I'd love to, and this time of the year, try and reflect back on the special moments of the last 12 months. And I've got to say, probably one of the biggest surprises for me, one of the most uh, terrific, uh, you know, things that, you know, I've watched and observed in the last 12 months has been the FFA Cup. Mm. Not one round has disappointed me. Uh, last night's game was a typical final, and you don't, sometimes finals let you down. So it wasn't a brilliant game, but the build-up was good. Uh, in the future, they'll do a better job of that, I think. But, uh, you know, look for winning, you know, winning initiatives – uh, and something that I was a little bit sceptical about beforehand, Tone, because, I mean, you know, in the old NSL, they tried to, you know, get the old NSL Cup up and, you know, talk about it in terms of being yep. equivalent to the old to the FA Cup in England, which is just never, ever convincing. Uh, I thought the way they were going on in the, in the you know, in the lead-up to this uh, Cup was, you know, you know, probably not as realistic as I thought it might have been. Uh, you, you look about, you know, you look at the authenticity of these sort of tournaments, and you know, you don't want marketing spin doctors to tell you what to think. Yeah. Uh, so I was a bit skeptical. I was willing to wait, but after that first 
you know, round, the way that was telecast on Fox Sports where Michael Zapponi was mm. shooting off at every ground and that won me over from, from square one and I thought it was fantastic. The highlight for me was the Bentley Greens. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, to be able to grab a team and follow them through those, those latter stages and there was a lot of Victoria, if not all of Victoria, were riding with the Bentley Greens yeah. in that actually, semi-final. Actually, having a, a decorated career in the pub leagues myself, Tone, I'd go a bit further down. South Springvale for me, mm-hmm. and they actually even call themselves a pub team in all the media. South Springvale for me, and some of this, if you get on the, on the web now and just type in, there was a feature story about South Springvale where I think they've got a female president, uh, and she was quoted about what sort of club it was. And for me... That was what the, what the FFA Cup was all about. Bentley Greens were terrific, and they had some good players, and John Anastasiadis, and what they did was absolutely fantastic. But even to get down deeper, the South Springvale story was fantastic for me, and uh, that was a, the special run for me. But they were always going to get knocked over at some stage because of fitness and, and all the other commitments those, those guys had. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, football's not their full-time pursuit, so uh, they were they were always going to get caught up at some stage, and I think Palm Beach Sharks uh, up in Queensland were the ones that got them, but they got their trip to the Gold Coast, yeah, and uh, and that was uh, something that was really special for them. Uh, let's have a listen, just for you, so you can relive, uh, South Springvale getting into the round of 16 in the FFA Cup. That's it, South Springvale are through, the minnows, the fairy tale story are still alive in the inaugural FFA Cup, they're through to the last 16. Rani, congratulations, mate. Uh, you got your team through with a bit of help from your teammates as well during the 120 minutes uh, through to the last 16 of the FFA Cup. How does that sound? Oh, it's just it's a fairy tale run for the boys. It's pretty, it's unbelievable. It's a team effort. Couldn't couldn't ask for much more from the boys. It's dug deep and just the run continues. Keep going, keep going. That's it. Just keep going, keep going. I love the fairy tale run for the yeah. boys. You know, great for the team. I mean, just love it. So yeah. uh, no good on them. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a it, it, that that for me and that's was what these a special moment. Yeah, yeah. We've seen it so often over overseas that these competitions will bring a team up through the very latter stages, yep. and all of a sudden you, it conjures fairy tales, and yep. you know, people will follow that team. And uh, mate, eighty percent of Melbourne would never have heard of the Bentley Greens before. Well, Channel Nine News. And you know, a lot of football supporters out there would, you know, would be very critical over the years about Channel Nine News never, you know, showing anything yeah. to do with football or soccer over the years, unless it was of some riot or some flair that's been thrown. Well, I remember in the week of the game against uh, Perth Glory, they actually had you know a three-minute piece, which is a, a fairly large piece for a sports report on the Channel Nine News. Now, uh, there's no way a club. Mm. Uh, below the A League would ever get that on 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 a commercial TV station like channel, you know yeah. like Channel Nine. So for me, you know what that did for that club, uh, it was a great story. It needed to be told, and uh, I'm really hoping one day that we'll have a non A League club in the final with a good chance to win on the day. That would be fantastic for the sport. Three hundred kilo of souvlaki meat. <laughs> yeah. You'd knock that over in one <laughs> session, wouldn't you, Tone? Uh, I'd go close, <laughs> Carlos. I'd go close. Uh, someone's just asked off the SMS. Do you think that the introduction of the FFA Cup will later on produce a promotion relegation system in the A-League with the publicity and hopefully sponsorship? I think that's what the point is. Uh, AFC want Australia to have promotion relegation. Every other country has in the um, in the AFC 
with the Confederation. Uh, so every member association has that except for Australia, nearly. I'm not quite – I don't. You know, I think there's 43 member associations, but most of them have – So the J-League, the yeah, A-League. Yeah, the, yeah. The, all, the, all the different uh, – but that's their major sport in those countries. Yeah. And in, yeah, even if it's not a really uh, affluent sport – Football's all they know, and that's why they have promotion and relegation. But uh, uh, AFC want Australia to have it, but you don't want to, you know, when you've got a, a competition with a salary cap and there's so many limitations on on how teams can spend, I don't think you can rush that. But I would think that with the success of the FFA Cup, that might bring it a rung closer to it happening. But there's such a big gap between the A-League and the Premier Leagues these days by way of professionalism, by way of resource. That's a big thing. It's a resource. Mm. Uh, maybe if you get some really wealthy benefactors coming in and taking over the N- NPL clubs yeah. uh, and really ploughing big money into them, in that situation, you can share grounds, so there's no issue about facility. But uh, it's the resource and the players and the coaching that's uh, probably lacking and the, the ability to have players and coaches there full-time. Yeah. Once you've got that, there's a chance. If you don't have that, um, it, the gap's just going to grow. Yep, no, fair cool. Uh, Peter out of Deer Park, George. Let's go, Peter. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, Carlos, uh, I heard a few early commentators say if you shut down Gil Finkler, you shut down the Melbourne Victory midfield and all the creativity in the midfield. I have never been a fan of a system of seven defensive players at the back and only four players up front. Uh, at the moment, we are playing with, with four across the back, two defensive midfielders, including the goalkeeper. That's seven. Do you think that in the future, the, the, when the salary cap goes up, Melbourne Victory should sign a good quality defender so we can play with only one defensive midfielder and play with two attacking central midfielders uh, that, that would centrally, uh, certainly bring us more creativity in the midfield, allow us to dominate the central midfield and create more chances uh, for the strikers. Uh, at the moment, we are mostly playing uh, a fast counter-attacking style of football, abandoning the, the, to, to a great extent the, the midfield and relying on our wings wingers and overlapping fullbacks to do most of our attacking. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of great points there, what Peter. I think, I think um, the fact that Mark Milligan can get forward and be creative. I know he's not your Guy Finkler, and the people out there might think, well, you know, he's just another defensive midfielder. And I think in the Australian team, you could probably see him as a more probably defensive type, even though he does get forward at times. I think Kevin Muscat's got away with not having uh, that setup you're talking about by having a, t- a player like a Mark Milligan, who won't be available for three weeks, by the mm. way, because or three games because of uh, the, elbow. Uh, yeah, the elbow. Um, uh he can go both ways, and he's he's been known to get forward in the forward half and and create things and actually score. So, uh, Carl Valeri is fantastic at what he does. He's been a great uh, success for them there, but he's really quite predominantly a defensive type player. Um, look, I, I don't mind the setup of victory at the moment. I, I'm sure that there's gaps there that uh, Kevin would like to fill to make it a more complete setup. But what he's done with that group at the moment, and you know, again, I still maintain that Barisha coming to victory has extended Archie Thompson's career, and he'll be much more effective now that he's not just the man. He scored a hat trick on the weekend, and uh, everyone's looking after looking at Barisha and uh, and Barbarousas, uh, and then Archie cuts yep. loose. I think that's the perfect scenario that Kevin Musket wants. So they're not lacking much for this season, but I think Peter's right in that. I think to have that complete setup, you need that you need the the, the more creative type. 
uh, the, the possession game where you can you don't need to rely on two defensive midfielders because the reason with two defensive midfielders is because if things break down, you've got the extra yeah. support for your defenders. Uh, with a stronger defence also, as Peter said, I think, uh, you know, probably a, a more um, a tighter defence, uh, less mistakes, you'll probably be able to get away with one defensive midfielder too. But having said that, they've only conceded something like 11 goals so far this season and three in one game. So they'd, they'd probably argue that, uh, that their defence is a lot better than it was in the past. Good on you, Peter. Thanks for your call, Carlos. Stick around, mate. We'll take a break. Back with more. Carlos Alberto, Diego, talking the wall game in just a tick. 27 past 1, 11 at 16 SEN, Melbourne Sober Sport. We've been talking about some of the highlights of 2014. For me, Carlos, one of the, the lowlights of 2014 has been West Sydney Wanderers. The, the lowlights, though? Well, in the last two or three weeks, especially since they won the Asian Champions League, it, things have just gone from bad to worse for them. They've had an atrocious A-League season where they still are yet to win a game. Yep. And then the, the goings on of the last two or three weeks in regards to the pay dispute and all that sort of stuff, it's been disastrous for them. It has. And, uh, and look, we've got... I mean, what their, achieve, their achievement has been fantastic. Um, Did it go to their head? Well, well I mean, they, let's talk about the achievement. The achievement is that they won the Asian Champions League uh, with limited resources after two and a half years of being set up. So that, that's an unbelievable achievement. They're suddenly playing in a World Club Championship, one game away from playing against the great Real Madrid. Um, but in amongst that, the noise we're hearing around it, uh, firstly, after you know, anyone who'd followed the, who'd watched the uh, A-League, sorry, the Asian, Cup, uh, Asian Champions League final, yep. when really, I mean, if you talk about refereeing performance in that game and the, the, the great performance by Kovic, uh, to uh, keep the, the El Halal strikers out. I mean, people talk about luck. They had all the luck in the world mm-hmm. there, and some of the decisions that went went for them in that game, especially penalty decisions, I've never seen so so uh, such obvious fouls in the penalty box not given for penalties in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And we've we've seen thousands and thousands of game over a long period of time. And I think a lot of no one can really deny that they were very lucky in winning that, and it was through very very poor refereeing. At the time, so to have them come out, obviously the the pay dispute. We all talk about, you know, players having their rights and, and the club being able to present their rights also. Yep. Uh, but the way it was it was handled at the time, the way the reason it got to that, I mean, that's what everyone. It was a bit unsavoury, all that. Mm. And you would have lived with that, except for the fact that after the game on the weekend when they lost three. One, it was a heroic effort, by the way. With ended up with nine men, lost three one in extra time. Playing on a lake, yeah, playing on a lake, really bad before, bad um, you know conditions, awful, atrocious conditions. So they complained about the pitch. Yeah, they complained and, about well, the and pitch. rightly so. Yeah, and yes, they had full rights to complain about the pitch. But that, on top of what happened with the pay dispute, uh, what we've seen overnight, also they moved the Real Madrid Cruises all game to Marrakesh. No. They moved it because of the, the safety issues for the oh. players on the ground. So suddenly they're now complaining about that. And yes, all within their rights, and they've all got a good case. But what we're hearing now, amongst all the noise about West Sydney Wanderers, we're hearing about the whinging side of the club rather than the fantastic achievements. Yeah, exactly. Now, we had Tony Popovich come out in the, you know, in the on-ground um, interview with Fox mm. Sports, I think, Fox Football, after the game, and, you know, Saying the referee was the deciding factor, had a poor game, amateurish referee, yeah, on a referee, training on, wheels. Yeah, a referee on training wheels, but conveniently 
did not mention the luck through bad refereeing, atrocious mm. refereeing in the final that went their way. Uh, I think there's sometimes, you know, I think there's sometimes class that comes into this. I think there's sometimes some... Uh, the, the people have got to temper what they really think. Otherwise, they are... It sounds like sour grapes. Yep. The the fact that they say that they were the better side on the weekend, well, I think the conditions almost helped them because I would have loved to have seen them play that Mexican side on a hard ground where there was no issues with the surface and see how they went there because that Mexican side looked a really good team. Mm. Even on that quagmire, that lake they had to play on, that looked like a really good side and yep. they had most of that game. Tony Popovich comes out and says... That uh, that they were the better side and they could have won. They could have won, but for two minutes in yep. that in that uh, in that uh, normal time, uh, if it wasn't for Shannon Cole's uh, missed time tackle, which which was a penalty by the way, uh, they could have actually won that game one nil again through a lot of luck and hard work and desperation. But all we're hearing at the moment is the whinging side of it, which I don't think does a great deal for them as a brand, not only in Australia, but around the world. Well, it doesn't do a great deal for Australian football, full It stop. doesn't, given that we're also embroiled in, uh, you know, being criticised about the World Cup bid. Of, of mm. course, Michael Garcia's, uh, you know, World Cup uh, sort of report, the ethics report yep. that's come out and it's been sort of slammed and now, yes, you know, the Australians have come out not looking so good in that. So suddenly we're on the on the map at the moment for being whingers and people who don't play fair. And this is where I think we've got to be careful as a sport that we're now speaking to the world and uh, and we don't want to be seen as whingers. No. Before we get to John and Mooney Pons, let's have a listen to Ante Kovic post-match on Sunday morning. That whole 90 minutes, 120, to me was disgusting. It's absolutely farcical what happened out there and um, it's, it's unacceptable to me. The conditions are hard enough as it is. And um, we, we've copped decisions that uh, ultimately gave them the game. Uh, there's, there's no other way to talk about it. Um, you know, it was never going to be a pretty game with the conditions. But, um, yeah, it's, to me, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, he says it's embarrassing, and it, it, absolutely. Uh, but it's also the conditions were the same for the Mexican Correct. side. And they are complaining a lot about the send-offs, uh, especially Topo Stan- Stanley's uh, send-off where it's a second yellow card. And the first one, he believed he received through mistaken identity. But if they got the right identity of the person which, who was Matthew Speranovich at the time, he would have been sent off because he was on a, on a yellow card anyway. So uh, the, way I, the way I saw all that, now, yeah. of course, you only can see and, and, and comment on what you see. When he got that yellow card, Topo Stan- Stanley didn't complain about getting the yellow card because he knew that if it went to the right player in Matthew Speranovich, Speranovich would have been sent off. So yeah. he was happy... To accept, Take a bullet. yeah, not that he he didn't complain. I mean, people would normally say the referee wasn't me, right? He didn't say anything like that, and he saw the yellow card uh, issued to him. So, for him then to talk, talk uh, about the injustice of it all, mm. uh, he if if it went to the right player, he they would have been down to ten men anyway. It would have been sporadic going off. So, I think they're sort of being a little bit. Free with the with what really happened there, and again, anyone who saw saw the game would know what I'm talking about. And so they don't really have a much of a leg to stand on. And given no. the fact that sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, and you cop it sweet across the board, and especially after the you know the fact that they're on our on the stage as an Australian club, mm. I just thought it was a bit unsavoury some of the stuff that was going on cool. afterwards. John out at Mooney Ponds. Good day, John. Yeah, um, I don't know, guys. I, I I have to kind of. Disagree with you guys a little bit. Yep. Regards More than welcome to. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the agreement 
uh, with the club regards ten percent was quite a bit a bit more originally. Then it was decided that it was going to be ten percent. Well, it was fifty percent for the Asian Champions League, which was a different competition. That's what they're saying. Yeah. So, and as for Carlos, you know yourself. Uh, as for uh, your luck wasn't there this time. It, you know what happened last game. That that you know. I mean, fair enough. They had the luck in the in the in the um, final of the Asian Cup, but that was last game. Now. You know, yeah, are we supposed to be like the rest of the puppets in the world and just say yes to FIFA every, on everything? Or oh, I actually say good on you, Popovich, for standing up. And that referee was disgusting. I mean, what happened to the penalty that we should have had? No, you know, no, no, pe- no uh, John, uh, mate, I, I can see your point of view, no question. Yep. All I'm, And by the way, if you take all those things in isolation, that club has every right to complain about all those things. The players with the pay dispute... The, uh, the issue with the refereeing and also the issue with the ground. No question. And also now that they moved the Real Madrid game because of the safety and suddenly they, they look like they've been disrespected. Yeah. Absolutely. If you look at those things in isolation, no problem. But all we're hearing, and, and as Australians, we understand that, but all we're hearing from that camp in the World, uh, World Club uh, Championship or World World Club Cup there uh, is, uh, is complaints. And, uh, and that's what I'm saying. That's all people are hearing. Gonna take a break. Back with more Carlos in just a tick. Let's go. 19 to 2 here with Carlos Alberto Diego in the studio. Talking the world game 9429-1116. And there's only two Dukes in the world. <laughs> John Wayne was one. Yeah. And Mark Viduka. Yeah, no. The, the only the only two that matter. Yeah. Well, he's, the Duke I, of Wellington, yeah. whatever, forget him. Yeah. Only two guys. Uh what a legend this guy has been in Australian football. Yeah, yeah, inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, just in the last couple of days and also uh, they um, uh, bestowed upon Thierry last night the uh, the best player in the park, uh, the Mark Viduka medal. Excellent. Yes, for the best player, I believe, of the FFA Cup final. So um, he's one of my favourite topics to talk about, Mark Viduka. And I'm not sure why, but maybe because he's a Western Suburbs boy and it was the same with me. And he is an interesting character. Yeah, I remember we, the old days, Tony, when you used to do the old 3WRB community radio commentary of the old in the cell and we yep. used to sort of either come before or come after you with the Diego. So community radio and soccer was a... It was an interesting mix back in the 90s. but uh, Just ask the country and Western presenters before and after. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I think we were sandwiched between a four-wheel drive show (laughs) and an architect's show uh, on the community radio. But uh, but what was brilliant in those days as an innocent guy looking for the next world star coming out of one of our NSL clubs, I remember being at uh, a Melbourne-Croatia game in those days, they they were called. Not Melbourne Knights, Melbourne-Croatia. And uh, 93 it was. And... And being in the outer, uh, and I wasn't with all the hooligans out there. I was with all the older Croatian guys out in the outer there at uh, Summer Summer Street, and uh, you know they'd like their drinking and they'd you know complain about all sorts of things. But when this there kid, there would have been an Anton there. There would yeah, have been a oh, gossip. Yeah, yeah they, they were all they're there. All there. Really lovely blokes who love their football, but love you know having a drink and and arguing about things all the, the time. The price of fish at the a- market, absolutely. Yep. And uh, I remember there were there was a hush. In amongst this group, I was I was standing near, and uh, and they were in, in sort of real whispered tones, are saying, "This boy that's about to come on is an absolute star." They're talking about him being a star, and it was a fifteen or sixteen year old Mark Viduka who was about to come on, uh, you know, to to play for Melbourne Croatia. And I remember, I'm sure I, I, I can remember calling the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think it, he had a bit of a 
crop top in those days. It was really mm. sort of close shaven head. So he looked even a bigger kid. And this, he was a monster uh, as a 15, 16 year old. And he came on, he only played 20 minutes in that game. And I think it was his debut uh, coming off the bench. And you just saw that this kid was going to be a star. The way he was playing, how strong he was, his use of the ball, the way he, he brought other midfielders into the game. They put him up front there. And uh, the crowd were just spellbound by him from day one. And he went on to have such a fantastic career with uh, not only Melbourne Knights uh, winning a couple of Johnny Warren medals and a, and a, and a, a league championship with Knights, but also uh, Dinamo Zagreb nearly scored a goal a game in, uh, in his time over there. He was a star yeah. in a really great, Croatian strong competition in those days. Then went off to Celtic, uh, had his moments where he yeah. joined Celtic. Remember, and the uh, then he left the club and came back home and just sort of refused to be there. Didn't kick a ball for four or five, six weeks yeah. uh, when he first joined them. So it was a bit of controversy over that, but became one of their great players, uh, uh, being named Scottish Player of the Year after a couple of years there, and again scoring nearly a goal a game. Then going over to Leeds, that great Leeds side under David O'Leary, and being a great player for them and. You know, um, and then, you know, Newcastle, Middlesbrough and all that sort of stuff. And, of course, Australia. Uh, I'd love to throw out there anyone, and I know it's a favourite topic for a lot of our listeners out there, but maybe the memorable moment for Mark Viduka. You know, he's now uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, probably getting the accolades he he, uh, he deserves. He's probably more comfortable receiving those accolades now too. Mm. Uh, yeah, any favourite moment? For me, it was the four goals he scored for Leeds against uh, Liverpool at Allen Road. Um, it was, that was a fantastic performance. Uh, the world saw him, um, you know, with that achievement. And, uh, you know, uh, he's an innocent sort of guy after the game going into the nearest camera and saying hello to his mum after he scored the four goals. And, yeah. there, and there was another game um, in 2003 where Arsenal were playing Leeds at Allen Road. Oh, sorry, at um, Highbury. And uh, Leeds ended up winning 3-2 with Harry Kuehl scoring a cracking goal and Mark Viduka getting a fantastic winning goal towards the end of the game. That was at Highbury against an Arsenal that had a bird camp, um, Henri, Perez, um, great, great players. They were a winning team that were vying for the champion, uh, the, the actual premiership. And uh, with Wenger managing and those two Australians ripped them apart and Viduka topping it off. For me, some of the greatest moments and some of the most inspirational moments I saw in football were with Mark Viduka involved. And I'd love to hear anyone out there who's uh, got their Mark Viduka story, um, you know, good or bad. Uh, just love to hear what your thoughts are. We'll uh, take some calls shortly. Uh, we'll just uh, Actually, no, Steve from Melton before we go to the break. Hello, Steve. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good, mate. Yeah, um, my favourite moment... Um, being a old Melbourne Knights uh, supporter, I uh, remember the days um, semi semi finals, South Melbourne versus Melbourne Knights. Scored a hat trick, didn't he? In the puddle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was my favourite moment for Mark Viduka and also uh, captaining for Australia, of course. Yeah, he actually, uh, you know, Steve. Unfortunately, he did he only scored eleven goals for Australia? Would you believe about thirty something games? And, and he was very much maligned for oh. the fact that he didn't score that you much. Know, but don't... the work that he did, and that's my memory yeah. of Mark Viduka, mm. is that solid frame of his in front of a defender, bringing the ball down with his chest, and then getting it off to someone coming through. It was unforgivable. Unforgivable, the way the teams played during that era for the Socceroos. I mean, if you're playing as a one-out striker, as a lone prong up front, and with no pattern to play to be able to service that, that striker, he got crucified during that era under Frank Farina and, and before and after. Uh, it only started... He didn't score a lot of goals under Gus Hiddink either, but 
Uh, you saw them trying to use him better at the World Cup, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's one chance we we missed out on with Viduka. I just think uh, the poor, you know, setup of the Socceroos when he was coming through uh, almost crucified any chance of him becoming one of the great goal-scoring forwards for our national team. Uh, just to quick it off the SMS. Hey, guys, I was walking my dog last Monday past the local park where a group of guys were playing seven-a-side soccer. To my astonishment, I noticed one of the players was Mark Viduka. Oh, uh, you're kidding. <laughs> Aussie national team captain of the World Cup in Germany 2006, as well as the racehorse, Danny Tiato. <laughs> God. Danny Tiato, what legends uh, for two guys who played for Australia in the EPL to be playing with their mates at the local park. Fantastic story. Well done. Thank you. That Dave from Maidstone. We'll take a break. Back with more in a tick. 942-911-16. Before we get to Joe with Footscray, just off the SMS, Carlos, uh, a friend was critical about the Duke's score rate for the national team. He had tickets to Australia, Greece, told him to watch Viduka the next day, and he could not believe how much gut running for no reward Viduka did mm. during match and changed his tone on the guy 180 degrees. Damien Morey had a similar fate in the national team. Same gut-busting run for yeah. no reward. Absolutely. I think uh, if you compare Damien Murray, even though the scoring rate was fantastic, uh, really technically, Damien Murray didn't come in the same same country as, uh, no. you know, uh, same planet as someone like Mark Maduka. But, uh, yeah, by the way, uh, the funny text off, uh, the, the not funny message off the text. Uh, no, Mark Maduka didn't die. No, no, I know. I know. I was. I, I get into a. I, I. I gush over some players. I, I gushed, and it might sound like a eulogy of some sort. We're running, but his he didn't die. Fight. Yeah, absolutely. Joe out at West Footscray. G'day, Joe. Afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. I uh, just want to confirm that yes, on Monday night there was a game at a local parking maidstone between the Footscray Fatties and Sunshine Skinnies. Paduka <laughs> did play, as did uh, Daddy Tiato. Jelko Susha, there was oh. a few other boys there, and the score was 2-0 to the Footscray Fatties, and Viduka scored a double. You're kidding. I was a defender in that game. We had a bit of a Christmas barbie, and, yeah. and the Dukes was there, and a few of the ex-Melbourne Knights boys, and St. Albans boys, and uh, it was a fantastic evening. Gee whiz, if, and, you're, looking uh, for, uh, if you're looking for someone uh, to come off the bench for the Footscray Fatties, uh, all respect to John Markovsky, but he'd be a big chance, would he? Saw, I saw John recently. He's put on a bit of weight. Yeah, no, no. He did, but Joey... I tell you what, if you publicise that, you would have got ten thousand people oh, at the park. Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> play that at Summer Street. I come from everywhere. I would have loved to have seen that. And by the way, I would have loved to have seen Danny Tiado. Uh, I wonder if he pulled out any tackles or not. Mm. Sorry, Joe. The boys were intimidated, but uh, I just wanted to mention also with regards to the uh, uh, the hat trick that uh, Viduka scored against South Melbourne. Uh, there was an article that morning where Frank Carrick was quoted in the papers saying that Mark Viduka was overrated. And speaking to the Dukes <laughs> on the way inside the ground, I mentioned that article, and he he wasn't happy. He was fuming, and he went out there and uh, and scored a hat trick. and uh, And Danny Tiato did get a red card, if I remember correctly, for a two footed uh, started tackle in one of those puddles. Joe, you you obviously sound like a great mate of uh, Dukes. Um, you know, we've met him a couple of times, and you know, had a couple of off, off the record chats, and just been astounded by. The fact he's a Western Suburbs boy through and through, and he'd sound like your mate down the street, not a world-class footballer that's known all around the world. You know him as a friend. We don't have a lot of time, Joe, but uh, can you just give us a little bit of a synopsis about Mark, the person outside of football? He's an absolute gentleman, down-to-earth guy, humility, uh, grace. He's, he's, he's always asking about your family, you know, what's happening with your local teams. I mean, 
you know, we've got boys who are playing for, for amateur teams and he's asking them, how did they go on the weekend? Did you win? Did you lose? And we, we have a kick every every Monday and Wednesday night down at, uh, at Dobson Reserve in Maidstone. Don't, don't mention the, the reserve there, You will Joe. get 10,000 there now. I'll be down there. We've actually finished for the year now. Christmas <laughs> and New Year's up, so it's too late for everyone to come down and watch. <laughs> But um, no, he's been having a kick with us for, for the last couple of months down at down at Dobbo, fantastic. and uh, he's an absolute fantastic gentleman. A- as is Danny. Danny Tiara mm. is, a, is a great friend of mine as well, and we all grew up together in, in the area, and and with um, St Albans Soccer Club, Melbourne Knights being sister clubs and down the road from each other, we've always had that rivalry. And a lot of the boys lived in Footscray and Sunshine, and and we've had the Footscray fatty, Sunshine skinny derby <laughs> happening for for about twenty five years. Would you believe? Fantastic. She was. I used to love Danny Tiato running down that wing. Oh. Just the pace on him. Love them all. Yeah. The old days. Good on you, Joe. Thanks for your call. Really do appreciate it. Wrap up the hour in a tick. 15 seconds of the derby this week, Carlos. <laughs> no, Mark, uh, no Mark Milligan. I'm not sure uh, with victory, but uh, I reckon the draw in the end because I think uh, City will be up for this one. Catch you next week. Looking forward to it. Carlos Alberti, catch them, though, tonight after their Christmas party. <laughs> that should be a fun joke.